You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Crazy Tennessee. All right. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Behind the Message with Jason and Chris. Oh, he got right in that mic while he's getting a cough drop out. This, um, when'd you start taking cough drops for the podcast? Do you know, I, I mean, you know I'm eating a cough drop on Sunday morning. Yeah. That's the Behind the Message fact. Every. Every Sunday morning, I've got a you told me that pocket of cough drops. Preparing my sermon, you, you said that. Yeah, and you know, our last uh, our last church, the pastor told me to do that, and I was like, I'm not doing that. I'll just drink more water, and um, that didn't work. So yeah, you just lo- I just I don't. When I teach, I just lodge it in the side of my mouth, mm. and it keeps your mouth without getting too dry and coffin and so it's not perfect but a little trick of the trade so if you see me up there you're like is he is he dipping while he's preaching that's no nope guys i'm sorry i don't dip um it's not been my thing quit in high school and um i quit well i did it like twice in high school and never again but I tried it once i was like no thank you yeah no thanks so i use cough drops but all right, let's get started. Uh, it is Christmas time. We just had everything. I you're. I mean, you're. You're probably could be the biggest Scrooge in our church. Every time I say, every time I say Christmas, you're like, Ugh, are we? What, t- what Christmas sermon series are we doing, Jason? Because this is First Samuel. Well, I'm trying to like bridge the gap. You know, like, like that. All right, so this Sunday. Um, the passage we'll we'll go over what Ebenezer means. It's in First Samuel seven, okay. and I'm like, well, there you go, Ebenezer Scrooge. It's pretty much a Christmas message, okay, we'll just see. without the Christmas story. Um, so, but I'll talk about Jesus. I talk about Jesus every Sunday. You do, so. you do well. All right. Anyway, so we had our second annual uh, Christmas wide church event, Christmas yep. as I knew it on uh, Sunday. So what's, um, I don't know if that's a tradition just yet, but we've done it two years in a row. Maybe yeah. we'll do it a third. Who knows? Um, but so what's your favorite Christmas tradition? Is My- it scowling at anyone that <laughs> says Christmas? <laughs> no. That's good, but no. <laughs> I guess it would uh, it would have to be going uh, to my grandma's house for breakfast on Christmas morning. Ooh, do I get to ruin that? This yes, <laughs> actually, <laughs> you do. Or yeah, I, I yeah, that's what I put down here. I was like, I'd have to do the communion devo this Christmas. Uh, on the Christmas is on a Sunday, and I have the communion yep. devo, so I don't know what that's going to look like this year. <sighs> well. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to try and ruin everyone's Christmas plans. People, I mean, at the end of the day, come on, guys. I mean, are you really going to blame me for wanting to have church on Christmas morning? I mean, 
Sorry. Sorry, family traditions. I feel like this time, this is the one time where you can be like, not one time, but this is a time where you can say like, church is going to ruin one of our holiday traditions. Yep. <laughs> so eat, don't do brunch, do breakfast. Or don't do brunch, do lunch. Yeah. There you go. But, or we could, uh, no, I'm not going to over over promise i was gonna say we can do like donuts or something on christmas morning but <laughs> you're pushing it <laughs> yeah literally no one wants to go pick those up maybe uh well i just told you like yeah or on sunday uh when Derek college mm-hmm. was like hey can we bring pizza yep. that was unexpected and so they brought pizza to the christmas event so if anyone's like hey i want to bring a bunch of donuts on christmas morning it was almost a pre-christmas miracle it was there you go. It was pretty positive of you to not like Christmas. What don't? Why don't you like Christmas? I didn't say I didn't like Christmas. You just like you like Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and everything else is just like yeah. another December. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, we should. Go we on. should what? No, go on and tell us what your favorite Christmas tradition is. All of it bothering you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I do like the reading of the Christmas story in Luke. So when mm-hmm. when Tom reads it, I don't. That's kind of a has. I feel like regardless if we do this Christmas event as it is next year, that has to be an ongoing tradition. At some point, all the kids are going to sit down, and Tom will sit in a chair and read them the Christmas story. And honestly, uh, Sunday night when. The kids, I mean, I felt like I was getting like a little emotional. I was, I don't know. It's just, it felt like a good thing that feels lost and even in church world anymore. So we do that at my grandma's house on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Well, you can go to that one <laughs> unless it's at four o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> but no, somebody, we did that at our house at yeah. my grandma's. Somebody, it's not the same person, but someone different. Yeah. Always reason. Yeah, and I was going to say, we've done that, I guess, the past few years now, where on Christmas morning, the kids can't open presents until I read the Christmas story uh, out of Luke, and um, that just feels like a good tradition. It's not, maybe I'll talk about it later. I'm going to talk about Christmas as much as I can uh, this episode. Um, (laughs) So, oh, I also love watching, the kids love Home Alone. I knew you were going to do this. I told Alex. What? About said, movies? No. I said, you see this question right here, Alex? I said, what does it say? It says the name your favorite. And I was like, Jason is going to come with a list yeah. of Christmas traditions. You're right. And I'm checking it twice. I'm going to find out. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. <laughs> I'm, I, this is my thing, man. <laughs> I told you. I read that article uh, years ago where this guy, I think he had a bunch of tragic things happen in his life. Mm-hmm. But he celebrates Christmas every day. And I'm like, I can, I'd be yeah, all about that. That would be okay. Every, not, yeah, but not like the spirit of Christmas. Like the house is the full decorations, oh, no. food. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's all in. And I'm like, I could do that. Yeah. But Corey would not be on board. <laughs> and I will tell you, I told you uh, the Christmas story that everyone watches yeah. every year. I don't know about everyone, but uh, the Christmas story, Christmas is really good it's on my list to watch yeah. yeah you've gotta i did not expect to be as emotional hmm. as i yeah just 
it hit all the spots. So, bah humbug, Chris. Um, all right, First Samuel 6. Well, you didn't finish your answer. You're right. listing some movies off or something. Nah, no, just Home Alone and that new one. Okay. I mean, we, we've watched the Santa Clauses. We, I mean, we're all in. All right, let me go ahead and confess this to you real right. quick. Okay. I could watch Home Alone and Home Alone 2 and have, like, any day of any day of the year at any time. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Why? Because of... Uh, I don't know. I just really... I think they're very well done movies. I just... I enjoy them. Yeah. They hit the spot of yeah. every classic 90s. I'm And I'm serious. I have probably yeah. watched... Yeah, Home Alone or Home Alone Two. Back like when every Chicago <laughs> like wasn't the most dangerous <laughs> spot in the world, which yeah. I'm sure was dangerous then. But you know, when people were like, oh, "Yeah, I would love to live in Chicago," and now you're like, "How do we get out of here?" Yeah, How do they we get like out to of live here? in the suburbs of Chicago. I'd say more than they like to live in Chicago proper. Yeah. But <laughs> well, that's that's true. Have you been to Chicago? No. Yeah, but I watch a lot of Chicago shows. So. Yeah, it is fun to visit. It's fun to visit. Um, I told you I, I took students down there at Christmas time. No, and it was a wild experience. We rode the train in from Harvard uh, to um, it was senior high students, mm-hmm. and it was um, it was something. It was something. Oh, sure. It was. Uh, I had a kid. Have I not told you this? I'll tell you real quick. Okay. Um, I, I had a kid in a, a wheelchair. He's been in a wheelchair his whole life. And so um, he had to get in. We had to get in with him on like the end of the train. We rode in and uh, he, he might have been a senior at the time. And I just told him, I said, look, Joel, like I'm not, I'm not going to baby you on this trip. Like right. I'm going to treat you just like everyone else. How you would want to be treated. And um, so anyways, uh, we I told all the students to meet uh, on the corner of the street so we could before we went to dinner. We went to I think Gino's East or something, like some deep dish Chicago pizza, and we're sitting there or standing there, uh, crowds everywhere, and I'm getting the students and this homeless guy um, walks up to us and starts just saying crazy stuff. You know, it's Chicago, right? And he grabs Joel's wheelchair and he goes, "Hey, you're coming with me," and starts <laughs> wheeling Joel off. Oh my! And yeah, and poor Joel. He hit. He like grabbed his handbrake, pulled his brake, and I was just like, "No!" I said, "I think he's gonna stay with us." And uh, th- that he didn't resist. He was just like, "Oh, okay," and then just kind of wandered off. I was like, "Joel, I've made fun of him." For so many years. I said, Joel, remember when you almost got kidnapped by the homeless guy in Chicago? It was oh so funny. It was so funny. But I don't think you've ever shared that yeah, with me. I think said, I would remember this yeah, story. Said, You're coming with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First Samuel six, seven through two. A lot of scripture to cover. Yeah. Um really multi multi layered uh, narrative here. So the question we looked at was, who can stand before the holy God? Um, so, before we go through those. Yeah, yeah. Starting off the question for you, Jason. What does the holiness of God mean? Um, I think we answer this a lot, but it's good because there's so many misconceptions. It truly is to be set apart. Yep. Um, he's set apart in his perfection, also in his power, his might, his control. Uh, and when you understand that, you realize 
Like you can never obtain that on your own. Uh, you can try to be perfect like God is perfect. You can try to be powerful. You can try to be, you can have, you can try to have control. Like I think we all want to have control like God has control, but you can't set yourself apart like God has set apart. That's why we need Christ. And so when you come at that, a uh, true biblical definition of holiness is far more than just being perfect. To me, I think it raises the bar of of how you see God. And then it should uh, remind you of how much you need the gospel. I have two quotes. I'll just share one. This is Sinclair Ferguson. He, he said, God's holiness means he is separate from sin, but holiness in God also means wholeness. God's holiness is his godness. It is his being God and all that it means for him to be God. So to meet God in his holiness, therefore, is to be altogether overwhelmed by the discovery that he is God and not man. There you go. Sin- Sinclair Ferguson, he's one of those guys that, like, you know, he's talking way, way, way up here. And yeah. then I'm just like, I'm, you know, you, you're like, I think I know where he's talking about. But, uh, all right, let's go through the points. Uh, point one, it's not the person that gives an offering. Let's do some recap here. How long did those Philistines have the ark? Uh, the Philistines had the ark for seven months. And why'd they keep that so long? Uh, you said they were blinded by their sin. Um, but I also thought maybe that they they didn't realize it. Which you probably mentioned this too during the sermon that it was too late. Like, hey, all these bad things are happening happening to us. So, right. Um, so I think maybe they thought it was more of a coincidence. <clears throat> and then, like, the longer they held on to it, they're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, I I think you're right, and I didn't explicitly say that in the text because the passage never says, like, right. Hey, here's why they kept the ark so long. But even when, to your point, even when uh, uh, the priests and the diviners are encouraging. The Philistines to send this ark away. Yeah. They tell them, like, well, if it goes away um, on its own, well, then maybe it is just a coincidence. So yeah. I think, yeah, in many ways they're just conflicted. They don't realize that this is the Lord's heavy hand on them. Nope. So, what did they have right when sending this ark back? Let's see. Um, they knew the Lord would require a guilt offering. And they knew they should not harden their hearts like uh, the Pharaoh and the Egyptians did. Yeah. So what did they have wrong in sending that ark back? Um, they let their priests and um, diviners call the shots. Um, they're not following God's guilt offering requirements. And they created golden images. Yep. Last but not least... Yep. Where did they send the ark to? Uh, towards Beth Shemesh. Yeah. Those are some good, fun names. There'll mm-hmm. be some more coming up Sunday. but I was just wondering, I don't know, I guess I probably could have looked that up, how far they were from Beth Shemesh. Like, how long, how far did they expect these animals to go, like, till they're... Or... Right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, feel like I should I have looked that. that up. I just thought of that just now. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. Because what I have been doing, um, and I, I, I probably should do a better job of that. Anytime I see like Beshemesh or Kiriath Jerim or any any of these crazy names um, that you're you don't normally hear all the time, I try to look them up and 
a Bible dictionary, things like that. I did look. I think this is what south of Jerusalem. I did look this one up. Yeah, I think Beth, it's south of Jerusalem, but I don't know where it is in relation to where they were. I guess right. is why I did not look that up. Right. But yeah, right. well, good. All right, there's the recap. For that was the recap from chapter six, one through nine. Right, is a reference. So, Jason, what offerings do we give to God? <clears throat> um, I won't overcomplicate this right now, um, but I think there are two primary offerings we give to God today, and they are the two that I mentioned on Sunday. I think money is certainly mm-hmm. one. Uh, we associate give an offering, you give money, um, and I think good works, serve, you know, serving that those kind of things. But we'll we'll talk about that um, here as we go yeah. through these questions, but. So those are two primary examples of offerings. I mean, I I, hope, I I don't think I was painting offering sacrifice in a negative way. Because um, even, I don't know if he, maybe only Isaac, he mentioned something in his prayer at the end of service. I think it was the second service. And he prayed something about, like, you know, we trying to make our, us make sacrifice when really we need Christ yeah. to make a sacrifice. I was like, yeah, that's the big connection here. I thought that was good. Um, but so I, I don't want to downplay offering sacrifices. So is it wrong to give offerings? Um, Are you asking me a yeah, question? I am. I think I am at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not wrong to give offerings, but we should always check our heart motivations as to why we are giving. Our, um, which you said offerings can be different things. If while we're giving the money, while we're giving our time, yeah, what is our heart motivation behind it? Right. Uh, we should be giving offerings joyfully, um, not not as to check off a list or as a legalistic obligation. Uh, I put in here Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter nine verse seven. Each one must give as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a chill for chill for giver. So that's good. Yeah. So off of that, why do we think we can some people think why do can we buy favor with God? Um yeah, I had to think on that one. I, I think I would boil it down to we've heard really poor teaching on giving. Yeah. Uh like if we give to the Lord uh, he'll bless us maybe with material wealth um, or physical health. Um, if we give ten percent to the church, he will pay our bills. That's kind. Of, that's the kind of stuff I heard growing up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, whether it's Sunday school teachers, and I know all of them had good intentions when they said that because they were doing that. It wasn't like they were asking other people to do it and they weren't. I mean, it was. Um, uh, I, I just remember at the time, like a Sunday school teacher talking about how maybe she didn't have money for a bill, but she gave 10% to the church, and then a check arrived in the mail for that bill. Um, now, I'm not saying God can't do that, or right. even that God's not honoring her and her obedience in that. I think it's just, that's not a pres- prescriptive thing right. to teach for every single person. Um, so... I think we teach giving at times as as an exchange rather than worship. Uh, so it's why we have obnoxiously for the past few years on Sunday mornings, we say we see giving as an act of worship. 
that that was an intentional thing our church started doing because for a long time people were just giving to meet a budget yeah. and at the time it was a highly inflated budget where we never hit so it was just constantly defeating like people are giving to this church because they want to it to see it keep going i'm like i guess that's not a bad motivation necessarily or um or we give to this church because i know you know there's salaries and there's bills again all of those are true um but it's not an exchange of service it's worship to the lord so we've intentionally said that every Mm -hmm. sunday as much as we can we see giving as an act of uh, worship it's also why we do a giving series every january this will be what the third one i've done mm-hmm. um and i've uh, have always been reluctant with doing one um until i saw the fruit from it, it I, you know i think i see the fruit from it in my own life i'm not doing it every year just so everyone else can get their life together and i like i and I don't need to. Well, it's I need to hear this every year. Yeah. Um, I think our younger generations have never heard any of this. So they need to hear that. Um, so we give our money, our good works, uh, and our time as, as a form of worship, not an exchange of goods. So I will say, and I thought about this Sunday for whatever reason, if we put money in the boxes in the back of the sanctuary, which I know a lot of people give online, but if we just say you put money in the back of the sanctuary, and you think that that by doing that you have more favor with God or even more favor in this local church, my encouragement would be to either repent and change your mind about that as a that no that's you're giving as worship or don't give any money. Hmm. Um, so I don't ever want hmm. people to give an offering to this church out of guilt or poor theological reasons. Uh, it's it's so damaging that it could literally like ruin your eternity right like so to be honest why do we tend to do it because of poor biblical teaching and um so so now you get mediocre giving teaching every january well i just thought of this (laughs) while you were sitting here answering it i it's also uh, i think man's way of thinking hey i did something wrong i need to pay my way out of it that's how we that's how our society's built. Right. If you do something wrong, you pay one way or another. Right. So I guess that's I, that's how I see some people looking at it that way. But God, of course, God's like, no, let me let me flip this upside down. You did do something wrong, but this guy over here is going to pay for it. No, I think it absolutely is that. We just never articulate that. Yeah. You know, we we subconsciously do that, but. I think honestly, but that's all poor theology. Poor, you know, sure, poor yeah. teaching yeah. is is just you subconsciously living that out. Now, if you go to that person and say, "Are you giving money because you sinned more this week?" They would be like, "What? No." <laughs> but in their heart, sometimes that that motivation is like you feel a little better mm-hmm. about your sin because you gave money. That's that's a wrong way to feel because yeah. it's built on wrong theology. Same with right. good works. Like rather than repent of your sin, you stack the deck the next week with being really nice to yeah. those around you and serving other people. You didn't deal with anything. Right. You just yeah. tried to balance the scales on your own. Doesn't work. Yeah. Um, 
Which goes into two. Yep. Uh, how do you stand? What is that? Who stands before the Holy God? It's not the person who gives sacrifice. So, a recap question for you, Jason. Who are the people of Beth Shemesh? We've talked about it. Um, not entirely. We weren't great on the location. This says it was the located in the valley of Sorek in the northern border of the territory of Judah. Um, it's from the, I mentioned this Sunday, from the house of Sh- Shemash, the Canaanite sun god. Yep. That's where you get Shemesh, Beth Shemesh. Um, you can see the location of this. Um, so in uh, Joshua 15.10, where they're divvying out property lines, mm-hmm. or the property. Um, in Joshua 15, you can see where uh, the Levites get Beth Shemesh. Um, this also said it is called Ur Shemesh in Joshua 1941. Hmm. I don't know. Um, so yeah, it's one of the Levitical cities of Judah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's kind of get will get us going here. So what did they do when they got the ark back? Well, they took out the golden images made with uh, tumors and rats. Mm-hmm. Uh, they broke the wooden box down for firewood. And then sacrifice the two milk cows as an offering out in the field. All of that seemed like a pretty great idea at the time. So, Which turned out not to be. Not to be. So why did the Lord kill 70 men in verse 19? Um, they didn't follow the sacrificial law. Uh, they didn't sacrifice a bull. They were sacrificing two milk cows. The text uh, specifically says that they looked. they just looked upon the ark. I think mm-hmm. that's... Uh, again, a reminder of God's holiness. Like that's a po- his presence, holiness, symbolizing him being set apart. And right. here it is out in the field, and everyone's looking at it. Was enough for God to be like, Boop. yeah. And I mentioned Sunday. I, I'm a little conflicted on how many men died. So what does it say? Seventy. Seventy men, but then the all like almost all of the Hebrew manuscripts say fifty thousand, fifty or fifty-five thousand. Um, and they're like, well, that's not even possible to have that many people in Beth Shemesh. Or maybe it was 70 men of 50,000. All of that. I don't know. Right. I don't know where they get all this stuff. But regardless, people, people a lot of people Some died. people died. <laughs> and it was pretty disturbing. <laughs> so where did the Israelites take the ark? Um, uh, Kiriath Dream. Um, uh, da, 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 da. I'm trying to think. Oh, Kiriath-Jerim is one of the four cities of the uh, Gibeonites mentioned in Joshua 9, 17, who trick the Israelites into making an alliance. Uh, yeah, I can't think of anything else worth sharing other than uh, take it to... Um, they, they put Eleazar, consecrate him right. as priest to take charge of the temple for... 20 years. <laughs> First service. Not. I had, you know, I don't think people realize, like, sometimes I'm locked in, and I'm locked in, and sometimes I'm having a conversation about something else while I'm teaching, mm-hmm. or sometimes I'm distracted, whatever it is. And I try to not be, of course. And I said, I had 20,000 written in my notes, and I was like, there's no way. <laughs> and I said it, and I, it felt so absurd when I said it. That I said it again while I was looking for the the verse. I was like, "There's no way that's twenty thousand. It's only 20. And then, like, so I'm moving on in my notes, 
Um, and then I'm like, there it is. It says 20 years. Why did I say Did anybody question it? No. No. I mean, no. I wonder if people even caught that or or oh, people, I caught it or, but I would have never I told yeah, you that that's what I would have never there said there might have anything. been plenty of people that were like no he probably meant to say 20 it says it right there I did I meant to say 20 I don't have some insider knowledge <laughs> no commentary out there was like it's actually 20,000 it's 20 um so my bad yeah it was one of those like I had I had moved on too much to go back and be like hey remember when I said 20,000 <laughs> So anyway, that's all we do behind the message. Yeah, I know, I know. All right, let's go to practical. Uh, do we have any things that we sacrifice for God today, Jason? All right. Here's to be fair here: offering sacrifice, for the most part, pretty much the same, at least with application. Hmm. Um, I only made a distinct a distinction in the application for Sunday uh, because part of the two separate narrative accounts uh, that can I uh, certainly connected to each other. Uh, I, this was a super difficult passage to outline. And I know those points, the points when we get the handouts on Sunday, those points can seem very simple. And that's obviously on purpose. But um, I, I rewrote those several times just trying to, like, I guess to my point, it's easy to be confusing. It takes a lot of work to be simple. And so I kept messaging, I messaged Corey like a thousand times different variations of those points i messaged a good friend i was like hey what what do you, what do you think about these points um and he actually was the one that uh, reminded me of you know more of a heart motivation thing so yeah. anyways it's good to hear from other people so why do what what do we sacrifice today um many of the ones i already mentioned i think t- sacrificing time to serve others is one mm-hmm. of the the big ones. Um, I was reminded of the passage when I looked at that question in Matthew 25, verse 35. For I was hungry, you gave me food, and thirsty, you gave me drink, stranger, and you welcomed me, naked, and you clothed me, sick, you visited me, I was in prison, you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, we didn't see you hungry, or feed you, or thirsty, or give you drink. When do we see you a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, or clothe you? When do we see you sick, or in prison, and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to mm-hmm. me. So what are the things we sacrifice for God today? It's serving the least of these when we're actually, in, in serving the least of these, we're serving the Lord. We're sacrificing mm-hmm. to serve the Lord. Which partly answers the next one. I didn't mention this on Sunday, um, but I think it's a good cross-reference. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice that we'll see in Romans 12? Let's see, by living our lives for Christ, obviously, um, by not conforming to the ways of the world. I have um, two scriptures here, uh, Romans 12, 2. Uh, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I also have down here 1 Peter 2, 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So by seeking out God and his will for our lives, uh, by reading our Bible and knowing the Lord more, yearning for the things of God more than anything else, I would say, 
Um, and this, I mean, this is all like your prayers, your praises, uh, your time, your talents. These can all be sacrifices to the Lord through through Christ Jesus. Yeah, yeah, those are good. I think you know it's waking up. The living part is every day you're waking up and saying, "What would I love? What am I giving up today? Um, my own desires." Uh, to serve the Lord, and I know you mentioned that in many different ways. Um, I think that that's a good question to ask ourselves as we wake up in the morning and pray or whatever. Um, it's you know who are you going to live for today, yeah. um, and maybe remind yourself during the day. Uh, so that's good. All right. So the main point three, yep. the real answer, the person with a clean heart. So been talking about offerings and sacrifices why aren't offerings and sacrifices enough to stand before god i put this down and i went back and watched your sermon and you said the same thing uh, god, because i listen to your sermon but i don't always remember everything you know wow i can't mm. recall it <sighs> but the answer is <laughs> they are not good enough to atone for our sins yeah uh, and i wrote down i have a couple um more verses here. I have Isaiah 64, 6. We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Mm. And then I have Ephesians um, 2, 1 through 5. I'm not going to read all of that. Or actually, I can't remember if I included all of this or not. But anyway. Uh, and you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which once you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desire of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, you made us alive together with Christ. So, yeah, we there's nothing that we can do that is good enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, it's such a... I didn't think about it until I was actually writing the message um, for Sunday of how much, how frustrating it might have been for Israel to think, like, well, I mean, we're happy the ark is back. We're trying to sacrifice to the Lord. You know, it was almost like, is this, I mean, yeah, they're not exactly what Leviticus calls us to, but, you know, you're not even going to be happy with two milk cows. Like, <laughs> it, it, it was just so much that you're like, um, you think, well, why can't God just be show some grace and overlook that? And it's because of uh, of His holiness. It's not good enough. And I think the issue it wasn't that they weren't trying; it's that they they were still living in disobedience. Yeah. Like they still hadn't repented. That's the issue. Um, it's not it's not good enough because their hearts weren't right. Um, so, yeah. all right. Anyways, let's keep going. All right. Why is the best news to realize we aren't good enough for God? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, just true confession. Uh, I, you know, we're not that church where people are like, "Amen." You yeah. know. <laughs> so in the first service, I oh, said, I, I said that, and several people 
made like an amen or something. I like it got me emotional. Like I got a little worked up um, because it was like, yeah, like all right, we get it, we're good. You know, like it it hit. Um, We give up trying to pursue righteousness for all the wrong reasons. Uh, Pursuing righteousness isn't wrong. Um, It's actually necessary and proof that you even love the Lord. So the what's the best? Why is it the best news to realize we aren't good enough for God? Um, I think it gives us a correct understanding of God's holiness. It gives uh, or it allows us to rest in the gospel, where you're not constantly feeling that like, do I measure up? Do I measure up? Do I measure up? You don't. No. <laughs> Give it up. You don't. You don't measure up. That's why you need Jesus. Um, and then you're like, okay, well, then does that mean? I don't have to pursue righteousness. No, that's not true either. It's it it should this understanding should cause us to produce fruit through repentance. So um, it's like, all right, well, you give up this rat race of trying to produce the fruit. Um, it's like, well, you don't produce the fruit. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit through you, through repentance. It's constantly bending your heart back to the will of the Lord, mm-hmm. and then He produces that fruit through you. It is life-changing, literally. I, I think I could be wrong. Uh, I think it's the difference between believers and unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Um, now, maybe we'll get to heaven one day, and there'll be a bunch of people up there who are like, I was just so frustrated, but I still believed in the gospel, and God's like, you didn't have to be that frustrated. Um, but oftentimes, I think it's the difference between believers and unbelievers, mm-hmm. and you can tell the difference. Uh, literally, I can tell the difference in people in our church who get this and don't. You get people that are just, they seem constantly frustrated. Or they people that are like, I need to repent and like rest in the gospel. There's a difference in those two kinds of people. Um, so, yeah. it's the best news. You're not good enough. That's like so anti-society yeah. right now, isn't it? It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I would tell parents in student ministry. Like, my job is to not build your kid up, you know? that's I think that's what, you know, maybe a coach or a teacher, all that, yeah. you're just trying to build these kids up. I'm not trying to build your kid up. I'm trying to show your kid who they really are uh, before there's God. And this is, they're, not, they're not enough, and it's the mm-hmm. best news ever. It's the best news ever. So, all right. I... <laughs> Last question: How do we get a clean cart? Oh, clean cart, a gl- not at Walmart. <laughs> how do we get a clean heart? I was going to spend a lot of time in Acts fifteen on Sunday, but I chose not to. I just wanted to make sure we got the one verse. I didn't like this question. Let me just go ahead and tell you because Acts fifteen eight through nine, I don't think is about what you were asking about. Well, I have when this is done hitting when we're done recording, I have a question for you on Sunday. About Sunday's message. Okay. About this question. However, there's a verse in there that talks about a word called faith. That was where I was trying to go with that question. Okay. Yeah. Well, here's what I got. I have. <laughs> I was like, I don't like this question, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to answer it with Scripture. So uh, Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Acts 15.9 says, and he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith, which is part of the question. 
Right. Uh, Proverbs 35, or sorry, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Uh, I have 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the answer is, by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, that's how we get a clean heart. Yeah. Yeah. All of that through faith. Yep. Yeah. I Sorry. But maybe yeah. that question will make more sense after this okay. podcast. Not for everyone else, but just for you. Um, okay. Because I have, I have two directions I might go on Sunday, and uh, one of them has to do with that question. So, All right. Well, we're done. Uh, let's begin where or let's end where we began by annoying chris uh another (laughs) hey you know this at least we're not talking about politics or caffeine this week so the christians should vote or not i know uh (laughs) um so in the trivia on sunday night the christmas uh so mary did the she she did trivia. That was right. more for like teenagers, adults. Um, and so that was kind of just kind of be our welcome thing for people as they came in. And one of the questions was like, what president was in Home Alone or something? Oh. And Matthew. Home Alone 2, wasn't it? Yeah, Matthew yeah. told one of the students like, oh, put Trump. He thought it would be funny. He <laughs> thought it would be funny. So when she asked the question, I yelled out Trump 2024. I was just being stupid. And I yelled out Trump. And Matthew's like, he laughs. And then it was right. And he's like, wait, is, is he he's really in that movie? It? I guess not. I'm like, Matthew, of course he is. He sees him in the hotel. He's in, in, right. in the in Trump. He the, goes to the hotel. Um, ask him directions. And yeah. he's like, where's the whatever? And it's like, very brief. It's a cameo. Yeah. yeah but um, Oh, yeah. Trump was in home alone but so no this isn't about christmas christmas politics just christmas how can parents help keep their family focused on christ this christmas season give some wisdom to these parents out there tell me how i would say by being intentional with why you why you celebrate christmas um we mentioned it earlier at the beginning by reading jesus's birth story together Mm -hmm. um by calling out wrong messages of Christmas when you see them. Mm. And I uh, got to um, sing or listen to Christ exalting Christmas songs. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Those are good. Um, yeah, the songs are good. I think, obviously, I listen to a lot of Christmas music. Yeah. But the kids will sing along to those songs with me. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think just talking, especially with young kids, just talking about Jesus more than Santa Claus coming to town mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you can't do the Santa Claus thing. Right. I don't, I truly don't care about that stuff. Um, we're not gonna have Santa Claus visit our church for a church event, but you can do Santa the whole thing with your kids. I don't care about that. Um, it's just making sure that, like, is that the only thing you're talking about with your kids? Yeah. Like, I would say, at least in this case, like, just balance that out. What do you are you talking about Jesus and why we celebrate Christmas more than you are the North Pole? Yeah. And then just trying to talk about Jesus more, whether you're in the car or wherever you're going. Um, like, or a simple question 
with real young kids is, hey, why do we celebrate Christmas? Um, we can go from there. Yeah. yeah. Um, another one, I, I guess I got several. I'll just give my last one. It's really fight the present greed. We're all greedy mm. by nature. Um, and I think it's an obligation, especially for Christian parents, or even just a functioning citizen, but certainly Christian parents uh, with eternity in mind, fight the present greed. Uh, I did see a good friend post about presents on uh, maybe his Instagram, um, but they were talking about like, you know, I think there's families that are like, we just want to buy our kids experiences, like yeah. trips or whatever. And it's like, you got a small window where your kids really like toys. So if you can load them down with toys. And I think that's, that's probably, um, that's the right call. Well, I'd say that's probably more the right call than I realize. you know, yeah, cause, so that window's getting smaller as yeah, we go along so too. It's <laughs> so small. Well, yeah, especially with technology, yeah. but what, like five younger, you know, these kids have a very small window where they can get to wake up and see these toys. Yeah. And if you can afford those, um, by all means, don't feel guilty. Like that, you're actually creating memories by yeah. that. I mean, that's the whole point of the Christmas story, right? Ralphie gets his yeah. BB gun. Um, so I, I think it's don't, don't feel guilty in that. But as we are doing that, we're trying to have conversations with our kids about like, Hey, we're not going to talk about presents while we eat dinner for Christmas Eve. <laughs> you know, like I know you're excited, you know, but we're, we're, we'll do that here in a little bit or on Christmas morning. That's part of the reason why we read the Christmas story is mm-hmm. trying to kill some of that initial greed of like, it's just about yeah. me. I wake up. It's about me. I'm like, all right, well at least give me five minutes to remind you. It's not about you. That's good. Um, so it doesn't mean they can't get the presents after. It's just, you know, they're going to be greedy enough. So if you can help fight that, uh, I think that like, has to be a good thing at the end of the day. All right. You want to pray? Or I'll pray? All right. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Um, thank you for First Samuel and just the many layers of things that we get to learn uh, about uh, ourselves and uh we get to learn about you and how you interact with humanity and the hope of the gospel. And so I just pray for uh, just weekly encouragement, even if the text is a lot of history or complicated or even heavy in its application, that we can just consistently be encouraged um, that, that the answer is always going to be Jesus. And um, so we're thankful for that. Um, and God help us. Um, as we've already discussed, help help our families in this church uh, during uh, this month to to just be intentional about uh, focusing their family on Christ. And we pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Amen.